The Reign of King Edward III, attributed in part to William Shakespeare. About this digital talking book. Navigation of this digital talking book is by the Act at the first navigation level. Every effort has been made to ensure accurate conversion of this book. If errors are found, please report them to the Association for the Blind of Western Australia. This digital talking book was produced by the Association for the Blind of Western Australia in Perth, Western Australia. To support the production of this and other digital talking books, please contact the Association on plus six one zero eight nine three double one eight two zero two or by email to dtb at guidedogswa dot com dot au This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Persons represented Edward the Third, King of England. Read by Ron Altman. Edward, Prince of Wales, his son. Read by David Goldfarb. Earl of Warwick. Read by Noel Patrian. Earl of Montfort. Read by Noel Patrian. Earl of Derby, read by Chuck Williamson. Earl Douglas, read by Robert Hoffman. Earl of Salisbury, read by Robert Hoffman. Lord Audley, read by Martin Geeson. David, King of Scotland, read by Charlotte Duckett. Lord Percy, read by Charlotte Duckett. Lodowick, Edward's confidant, read by Rhonda Fetterman. Villiers, a French lord. Read by Rhonda Fetterman. Sir William Mountague. Read by Jessa Mills. King of Bohemia, aid to King John. Read by Jessa Mills. Sir John Copeland. Read by Jessa Mills. English Esquire. Read by Aidan Brack. English Herald. Read by Aidan Brack. Robert Starling himself, Earl of Artois. Read by Christine G. Gobain de Grey. Read by Grace Garrett. Another Captain. Read by Grace Garrett. John, King of France. Read by Bruce Peary. Charles, son of John, King of France. Read by Capricia Page. Philip, son of John, King of France. Read by Amy Graymore. Duke of Lorraine. Read by Alan Mapstone. First poor Frenchman. Read by Marcy. First citizen of Calais. Read by Marcy. Second poor Frenchman. Read by Anna Simon. Second citizen of Calais. Read by Anna Simon. A captain of Calais. Read by David Evans. A mariner. Read by David Nicholl. Third poor Frenchman. Read by Larry Womack. First French Herald. Read by Larry Womack. Fourth poor Frenchman. Read by M.B. Second French Herald. Read by M.B. Third French Herald. 
Read by Tiffany Halla Colonna. A French woman. Read by Tiffany Halla Colonna. First Scottish messenger. Read by Vupahipu. A Polish captain, aide to King John. Read by Vupahipu. Second Scottish messenger. Read by Vupahipu. A poor inhabitant of Calais. Read by Vupahipu. Philippa, Edward's queen. Read by Cathy Barrett. Countess of Salisbury. Read by Elizabeth Clatt. Narrator. Read by Algy Pug. Scene dispersed in England, Flanders, and France. Act One, Scene One, London, a room of state in the palace. Flourish. Enter King Edward, Derby, Prince Edward, Audley, and Artois. Robert of Artois, banished though thou be from France, thy native country, yet with us thou shalt retain as great a seniory. For we create the Earl of Richmond here. And now go forwards with our pedigree. Who next succeeded Philip Le Beau? Three sons of his, which all successfully did sit upon their father's regal throne, yet died, and left no issue of their loins. But was my mother sister unto those? She was, my lord, and only Isabel was all the daughters that this Philip had whom afterward your father took to wife, and from the fragrant garden of her womb your gracious self, the flower of Europe's hope, derived its inheritor to France. But note the rancour of rebellious minds. When thus the lineage of Les Bieux was out, the French obscured your mother's privilege, and, though she were the next of blood, proclaimed John, of the house of Valois, now their king. The reason was, they say, the realm of France, replete with princes of great parentage, ought not to admit a govern to rule, except he be descended of the male, and that's the special ground of their contempt, wherewith they study to exclude your grace, but they shall find that forged ground of theirs to be but dusty heaps of brittle sand. Perhaps it would be thought a heinous thing that I, a Frenchman, should discover this, but heaven I call to record of my vows it is not hate nor any private wrong but love unto my country and the right provokes my tongue thus lavish in report you are the lineage watchman of our peace and john of valois indirectly climbs what then should subjects but embrace their king ah wherein may our duty more be seen than striving to rebate the tyrant's pride and place a true shepherd of our commonwealth this counsel, Artois, like to fruitful showers, hath added growth unto my dignity, and by the fiery vigour of thy words, hot courage is engendered in my breast, which heretofore was raked in ignorance, but now doth mount with golden wings of fame, and will approve fair Isabel's descent, able to yoke their stubborn necks with steel, that spurn against my sovereignty in France. Sound a horn. A messenger? Lord Audley, know from whence. Exit Audley and returns. The Duke of Lorraine, having crossed the seas, entreats he may have conference with your highness. 
Admit him, lords, that we may hear the news. Exeunt lords. King takes his state. Re-enter lords, with Lorraine attended. Say, Duke of Lorraine, wherefore art thou come? The most renowned prince, King John of France, doth greet thee, Edward, and by me commands that, for so much as by his liberal gift the Guyenne dukedom is entailed to thee, thou do him lowly homage for the same, and for that purpose here I summon thee, repair to France within these forty days, that there, according as the custom is, thou mayest be sworn true liegeman to our king, or else thy title in that province dies, and he himself will repossess the place. See how occasion laughs me in the face. No sooner minded to prepare for France, but straight I am invited, nay, with threats, upon a penalty enjoined to come. Twere but a childish part to say him nay. Lorraine, return this answer to thy lord. I mean to visit him as he requests, but how? Not servilely disposed to bend, but like a conqueror to make him bow. His lame, unpolished shifts are come to light, and truth hath pulled the vizard from his face, that set a gloss upon his arrogance. Dare he command a fealty in me? Tell him the crown that he usurps is mine, and where he sets his foot he ought to kneel. Tis not a petty dukedom that I claim, but all the whole dominions of the realm, which, if with grudging he refuse to yield, I'll take away those borrowed plumes of his, and send him naked to the wilderness. Then, Edward, here, in spite of all thy lords, I do pronounce defiance to thy face. Defiance, Frenchman! We rebound it back even to the bottom of thy master's throat, and— be it spoke with reverence of the king, my gracious father, and these other lords. I hold thy message but as scurrilous, and him that sent thee, like the lazy drone, crept up by stealth unto the eagle's nest, from whence we'll shake him with so rough a storm as others shall be warned by his harm. Bid him leave of the lion's case he wears lest, meeting with the lion in the field, he chance to tear him piecemeal for his bride. The soundest counsel I can give his grace is to surrender ere he be constrained. A voluntary mischief hath less scorn than when reproach with violence is borne. Degenerate traitor! Viper to the place where thou was fostered in thine infancy! Bearest thou a part in this conspiracy? He draws his sword. Lorraine, behold the sharpness of this steel. Drawing his. Fervent desire that sits against my heart is far more thorny pricking than this blade, that with the nightingale I shall be scared as oft as I dispose myself to rest, until my colors be displayed in France. This is my final answer, so be gone. It is not that, nor any English brave afflicts me so, as doth his poisoned view, that his most false should most of all be true. Exeunt Lorraine and Train Now, Lord, 
our fleeting bark is under sail, our gauge is thrown, and war is soon begun, but not so quickly brought unto an end. Enter Montague. But wherefore comes Sir William Montague? How stands the league between the Scot and us? Cracked and dissevered, my renowned lord. The treacherous king no sooner was informed of your withdrawing of your army back, but straight, forgetting of his former oath, he made invasion on the bordering towns. Barwick is won, Newcastle spoiled and lost, and now the tyrant hath begirt with siege the castle of Roxborough, where enclosed the Countess Salisbury is like to perish. That is thy daughter Warwick, is it not? Whose husband hath in Britain served so long about the planting of Lord Mountford there? It is, my lord. Ignoble David, hast thou none to grieve but silly ladies with thy threatening arms? But I will make you shrink your snaily horns. First, therefore, Audley, this shall be thy grace. Go, levy footmen for our wars in France. And Ned, take muster of our men-at-arms. In every shire elect a several band. Let them be soldiers of a lusty spirit such as dread nothing but dishonour's blot. But wary, therefore, since we do commence a famous war, and with so mighty a nation. Derby, be thou ambassador for us, unto our father-in-law, the Earl of Hainault. Make him acquainted with our enterprise, and likewise will him with our own allies that are in Flanders, to solicit to the Emperor of Alamein in our name. Myself, whilst you are jointly thus employed, will, with these forces that I have at hand, march, and once more repulse the traitorous Scot. But, sirs, be resolute. We shall have wars on every side. And, Ned, thou must begin now to forget thy study and thy books, and urge thy shoulders to an armor's weight. As cheerful-sounding to my youthful spleen this tumult is of war's increasing broils, as at the coronation of a king the joyful clamours of the people are, when Ave Caesar they pronounce aloud. Within this school of honour I shall learn either to sacrifice my foes to death, or in a rightful quarrel spend my breath. Then cheerfully forward, each a several way, in great affairs tis not to use delay. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Two, Roxburgh, before the castle. Enter the Countess. Alas, how much in vain my poor eyes gaze for succour that my sovereign should send! Ah, cousin Montague, I fear thou wants the lively spirit sharply to solicit with vehement suit the king in my behalf. Thou dost not tell him what a grief it is to be the scornful captive of a Scot, either to be wooed with broad, untuned oaths, or forced by rough, insulting barbarism. Thou dost not tell him, if he here prevail, how much they will deride us in the north, and in their wild, uncivil, skipping gigs bray forth their conquest and our overthrow even in the barren, bleak, and fruitless air. Enter David and Douglas, Lorraine. I must withdraw. The everlasting foe comes to the wall. I'll closely step aside, and list their babble, blunt and full of pride. My lord of Lorraine, to our brothers of France, 
Commendus. As the man in Christendom, that we most reverence and entirely love, touching our embassage, return and say, that we with England will not enter parley, nor never make fair weather, or take truce, but burn our neighbours' towns, and so persist with eager rods beyond their city York, and never shall our bonny riders rest, nor rusting cankers have time to eat, their light-born snaffles, nor their nimble spurs, nor lay aside their jacks of grimolds, mail, nor hang their staves of grain Scottish axe, in peaceful wise upon their city walls, nor from their buttoned tawny leather belts dismiss their biting winyards. Tell your king, cry out, enough, spare England now for pity. Farewell, and tell him that you leave us here before the castle. Say you came from us, even when we had not yielded to our hands. I take my leave and fairly will return your acceptable greeting to my king. Exit Lorraine. Now, Douglas, to our former task again, for the diversion of this certain spoil. My liege, I crave the lady, and no more. Nay, soft ye, sir. First I must make my choice, and first I do bespeak her for myself. Why then, my liege, let me enjoy her jewels. And those are her own. She is liable to her, and who inherits her hath those all. Enter a Scot in haste. My liege, as we were pricking on the hills, to fetch in booty marching hitherward, we might descry a mighty host of men. The sun reflecting on the armour showed a field of plate, a wood of pigs advanced. Bethink your highness speedily herein. An easy march within four hours will bring the hindmost rank unto this place, my liege. Dislodge, dislodge, it is the King of England. Jemmy, my man, saddle my bonny black. Meanst thou to fight, Douglas? We are too weak. I know it well, my liege, and therefore fly. My lords of Scotland, will ye stay and drink? She mocks us, Douglas. I cannot endure it. Say, good my lord, which is he must have the lady, and which her jewels? I am sure, my lords, ye will not hence, till you have shared the spoils. She heard the messenger, and heard our talk, and now that comfort makes her scorn at us. Enter another messenger. Arm, my good lord. Oh, we are all surprised. After the French ambassador, my liege, and tell him that you dare not ride to York, excuse it that your bonny horse is lame she heard that too intolerable grief woman farewell although i do not stay exeunt scots tis not for fear and yet you run away o oh, happy comfort welcome to our house the confident and boisterous boasting scot that swore before my walls they would not back for all the armed power of this land with faceless fear that ever turns his back turned hence against the blasting north-east wind upon the bare report and name of arms enter montague o oh, summer's day see where my cousin comes how fares my aunt we are not scots why do you shut your gates against your friends? Well may I give a welcome, cousin, to thee, for thou comest well to chase my foes from hence. The king himself is come in person hither. Dear aunt, 
descend and gratulate his highness how may i entertain his majesty to show my duty and his dignity exit from above enter king edward warwick artois and others what are the stealing foxes fled and gone before we could uncouple at their heels they are my liege but with a cheerful cry hot hounds and hardy chase them at the heels enter countess this is the countess warwick is it not even she my liege whose beauty tyrants fear as a may blossom with pernicious winds hath sullied withered o'cast and done hath she been fairer warwick than she is my gracious king fair is she not at all if that herself were by to stain herself as i have seen her when she was herself what strange enchantment lurked in those her eyes when they excelled this excellence they have that now her dim decline hath power to draw my subject eyes from pursing majesty to gaze on her with doting admiration in duty lower than the ground i kneel and for my dull knees bow my feeling heart to witness my obedience to your highness with many millions of a subject's thanks for this your royal presence whose approach hath driven war and danger from my gate ladies stand up i come to bring thee peace however thereby i have purchased war no war to you my liege the scots are gone and gallop home toward scotland with their hate least yielding here i pine in shameful love come we'll pursue the scots artois away a little while my gracious sovereign stay and let the power of a mighty king honour our roof my husband in the wars when he shall hear it will triumph for joy then dear my liege now niggard not thy state being at the wall enter our homely gate pardon me countess i will come no near i dreamed to-night of treason and i fear far from this place let ugly treason lie no farther off than her conspiring eye which shoots infected poison in my heart beyond repulse of wit or cure of art now in the sun alone it doth not lie with light to take light from a mortal eye for here two-day stars that mine eyes would see more than the sun steals mine own light from me contemplative desire desire to be in contemplation that may master thee warwick artois to horse and let's away what might i speak to make my sovereign stay what needs a tongue to such a speaking eye that more persuades than winning oratory let not thy presence like the april sun flatter our earth and suddenly be done more happy do not make our outward wall than thou wilt grace our inner house withal our house my liege is like a country swain whose habit rude and manners blunt and plain presageth naught yet inly beautified with bounties riches and fair hidden pride for where the golden ore doth buried lie the ground undecked with nature's tapestry seems barren sere unfertile fructless dry 
And where the upper turf of earth doth boast his pied perfumes and party-coloured coat, delve there, and find this issue and their pride to spring from ordure and corruption's side. But to make up my all too long compare, these ragged walls no testimony are what is within, but like a cloak doth hide from weather's waste the undergarnished pride. More gracious than my terms can let thee be, entreat thyself to stay a while with me. As wise, as fair, what fond fit can be heard, when wisdom keeps the gate as beauty's guard? It shall attend while I attend on thee. Come on, my lords, here will I host to-night. Exeunt. <laughs> 